7.02, up, up, and away. Here we go. It's another big one. It's Ira on Sports. 95.9, the true oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Sean LaGregor in as well. Ira, we've got a very special guest with us tonight. Uh, his name is Jeff Snook, and he's a very influential person. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about Jeff and what should we, we should be expecting from this interview? Well, he's wrote books on both Ohio State and Oklahoma. So I'd like to hear what he has to say in terms of his opinion to see about the college football playoff because what an amazing – just this sports week was just tremendous. It, it really was. Um, this is like one of the biggest weeks of the year, and especially you know some of the wackier stuff that happened in the NFL, coaches getting fired that I don't think anybody saw coming You know, going into Sunday. This was a crazy weekend, so Jeff Snook will be by, I believe, right about 7.10 to break this down for us a little bit. Um, I, re- I always want to know, where have you been? I went to a Heat game, which we'll talk at the end of the show, uh, Ugh, Heat that Hawks, team. and uh, mostly to see Trey Young, because we had talked about Trey Young, the point guard for the Hawks, and mm. I wanted to see how well he played. And then I went, yeah, last night, I was at the San Diego uh, Steeler uh, game, whatever, can we call that a game, <laughs> or I don't know what that was, but no, yeah. there was two games, there was a first <laughs> half, and there was a second half, so there was one game, I think there were two games, <laughs> Steelers won the first, and then lost the second. That was a, a really interesting game as well, and I can't wait to get... Um, to get your opinions on that, of course, our group text was it was interesting last mm-hmm. night as that, as that all unfolded. But uh, regardless, a good game if you were uh, you know watching at home. We'll break that down for you and more here on Ira on Sports. Uh, let's get right into it, guys. College football, we've got our playoff teams. I don't know if everyone's going to agree with them, but regardless, Oklahoma is going to be in. They had a, a win over Texas um, just this past week. Uh, Ira, you want to tell us about it? I, <laughs> you know, that game was exciting. It started at 12 o'clock on Saturday. And as everyone knows, I'm an Oklahoma hater. And <laughs> I, I just, I, I was waiting. But Texas was a ranked team and they did what they had to do. They won a 39-27. The key point of that game was that Texas hung with them. Mm-hmm. Texas, yeah. Sam Ellinger, the quarterback from Texas, looked fantastic. And I was, as I was rooting for Texas, I was hoping Ohio State would get in. I was rooting for Texas. And it was 20, it was 27-27 with two minutes to go in the third quarter. And uh, Texas stopped Oklahoma for a field goal, not a touchdown. And then they came down. Then, then they punted back to Oklahoma. Oklahoma at, C.J. Lamb ran like looked like 100 yards down to the field. It's down at the two-yard line, and he fumbles the ball. So now <laughs> things are spiraling away from Oklahoma. They're up 30-27, and now Texas has the ball. I thought they're going to drive down for a touchdown. Like the first play, safety. <laughs> That's Crazy. 32-27. They have to punt it back to Oklahoma. Oklahoma then goes down and scores a touchdown, game over. And I that was that safety. And we were talking about the Kansas City, the Rams game. When these two high-powered offense goes back and forth, there's always those big defensive plays. And I I think these quarterbacks are looking to down the field to make the long, long pass, and that's where they get sacked. And, and Goff made that mistake in the Rams game again mm-hmm. today. That's where I think these defensive lines can get to these quarterbacks, either get a safety, get a turnover on the quarterback. It was uh, definitely a pretty crazy game. You brought something up in there, though, Ira. You, you, your thinking had Oklahoma lost. 
that Ohio State would have gotten in over Georgia? I think it would have been a really tough call. No, well, I was shocked. I mean, that was I was when the polls came out. It said Oklahoma four, and then Georgia five, Ohio State six. I almost thought they were going to say, "Well, it was going to be that way." But no, then yeah. it seems like they were going to have Georgia at five. I, I will. We're going to ask Jeff about this when he comes on. But I think there was a lot. It seemed this was. They said it was extremely, extremely close between mm-hmm. four, five, and six. And I was just wondering whether there was that. There said there were people in the room that wanted Georgia. Well, there's only twelve people in the room, so. How <laughs> many people there could be three or four people that wanted Georgia I was wondering if like Ohio State or would have been a compromise candidate or was it a compromise or how they got divided between the, the you know, everybody knows when groups are together you have to decide what restaurant the <laughs> restaurant that everybody wants to go to usually isn't the restaurant they choose it's some third restaurant that everyone's happy with and no it, it I knew it was going to be a really uh, interesting, you know, weekend of how everything was going to play out. And I wasn't sure myself if, if I did have a vote, how I would have voted on that. Sean, what about you? Would you have, um, you know, Oklahoma's in and, and I think they maybe are deserving of it. Um, but who would you have had as, as your fourth team? I would have put Oklahoma at four. I mean, losing to Texas on a neutral field, coming back, and then exacting their revenge to get in. Um, I, I think they deserved it. I would have put Ohio State at five over Georgia. I think, you know, Georgia had their shot at Alabama in in, in that SEC championship game. And that game, even though it's a neutral field, is in Georgia. I mean, it's in Atlanta. It's at the, it's at the Mercedes Dome uh, where the Falcons play. So essentially a home game for Georgia. Uh, and to, to be up the way they were, to have the starting quarterback who's the front runner for the Heisman go out uh, and, and lose to the backup, even though we know he's a very uh, uh, good quarterback in Jalen Hurts, um, I, I just think Georgia lost their, lost their spot. So I was, I was kind of surprised when the final rankings came out to see Georgia at five and Ohio State at six. But I think Oklahoma's definitely deserving of that fourth and final spot. All right, Iris, I told you. We love, I just love when you rip on Oklahoma and some of these teams that don't play any defense. So what happened the rest of the game here? Well, I think just generally what happened in terms of is that, look, Texas had 437 yards. Oklahoma had 508 yards. Murray. The That's quarter, a low total. <laughs> it was yeah. but, but Ellinger had passed for 349 yards, two touchdowns, interception. Um, I, I really think, I mean, now it's going to be Alabama versus Oklahoma. And uh, I, Oklahoma doesn't play defense. Watch the game. They do not tackle. I, I think Alabama should just hand the ball to Jacobs uh, in the middle and just have them run. They're going to be scoring. Because Oklahoma just, the, when we talk, we're going to talk about the Cowboys later. There's just tackling. And the Big 12, and especially Oklahoma, they just went out score. I think the comment I have about Oklahoma is they probably should go for two. Every time they score a touchdown, go for another two. Because that's maybe the only way they win, like shooting threes all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, do you want to jump into Bama versus Georgia? We're going to have um, Jeff Snook uh, on the line here in just a minute. Uh, we do have a Jeff on. Let's go ahead and bring in Jeff Snook, American uh, sports writer, loves to cover our Ohio State University that we've been talking about a lot. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. It's good to have you. Ira, what do you have uh, for Jeff? Jeff, uh, thanks for coming on. I guess the question I have, the main one is, were you surprised by the by Ohio State getting, you know, the Big Ten champion now two years in a row is not invited to the college football playoff? No, not really. I think the uh, I think the committee got the top four right. That's exactly the four I would have put in. Uh, you know, Ohio State lost by 29 points at Purdue. Mm-hmm. That's a bad loss. That's the worst loss among the contenders. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oklahoma's loss was by three points, uh, as they said, on a neutral field to Texas. Uh, they made a big deal about avenging that loss. And, and when they won the Big 12 title, uh, they beat that same Texas team. So right there, when you compare those those two losses, I believe that was the difference. What really did shock me was that they only dropped Georgia to five. I mean, uh, that I have an issue with. 
if they if they really did debate that number four spot between Oklahoma and Georgia, uh, that's a problem going forward, I, I believe, as opposed to debating it between Oklahoma and Ohio State, which should have been the debate. Yes. And yet they got the right team at four in my mind. Do you think that that they wanted Georgia to be four and they realized the political, if they put Georgia at four, then you'd have two SEC teams. You also would have Notre Dame. So you're going to shoot three conferences would be shut out. Do you think that was maybe a factor or they just said we could not have no, Georgia? I really don't. I, you know, there's 13 uh, members of the committee. I know many of them. And uh, they're very, uh, very qualified, very respectful people. Uh, and bear in mind now, three of them had to step out of the room in those discussions. Uh uh, Gene Smith, the Ohio State Athletic Director, Joe Castiglione, the Oklahoma Athletic Director, and Frank Beamer, whose son is an Oklahoma assistant coach, they weren't in that discussion for number four. So you had ten members debating. And from what I can tell, uh, you know, people they, they had certain members make a case for Ohio State, certain members make a case for Georgia, certain members make a case for Oklahoma, and then they debated it. And uh, uh, I don't think uh, that if they let me say this, they'd have had George at number four. There would have been a major, major issue uh, with the with this system from the from the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and and maybe everybody else in between because of the so-called SEC bias. But, you know, it seems that people forget the people that are pushing for Georgia. It seems, you know, they're going off that close loss to Alabama which they did in last year's championship game, but they're seeming to forget they had the second worst loss among the contenders. That was 20 points by 20 points at LSU. And if you watch that game, they got manhandled by LSU. So that game has to count for something. And, uh, you know, that that erased uh, any uh, goodwill they would have when it comes down to the end. If that would have been a close loss, uh, maybe in the last second field goal, they might have got in. But that's got that a 20-point loss on the road, even if it is to LSU, uh, that needed to count for something in the end, and, and fortunately it did. So after Oklahoma beat Texas on Saturday, could Ohio State, if Ohio State would have won like a few years ago, they beat Wisconsin like 60 to nothing. If Ohio State would have won 50 to nothing, do you think that would have made a difference to get Ohio State in, or do you think that there was nothing they could have done against Northwestern to win that game, to, to maybe as get into the playoff? As it turned out, as it turned out, I don't think there's anything they could have done. I just think that, as the committee said, Rob Mullen said yesterday, they were too inconsistent in many of their wins, uh, which is true. I mean, the wins, if you look at the wins against Minnesota, Indiana, uh, Maryland especially, uh, you know, they're lucky to win the Maryland game if the quarterback stands there and hits that two-point conversion. We're not even having this discussion. So no matter what they did in those last two games, and let's face it, they blew out Michigan, which was the number four team. And then they played a pretty good fourth quarter against Northwestern, which is an eight and four team, very respectful. But it wasn't the quality opponent that Oklahoma played. So even if Ohio State won that game six to three to nothing, it would have been determined it was just too little too late. They just didn't play well in a lot of their wins, and yet that Purdue loss, uh, you know, I would really say if they lost that Purdue game by one score, they might have been in over Oklahoma because Oklahoma's defense, if you've watched it throughout the season, it's been consistently bad. It cost Mike Stoops his job, and you know they really don't stop anybody. They had they played their best game of the season in the second half uh, Saturday. They held Texas 27 points, 
and yet Texas went up and down the field the first quarter, and you you know it looked like it was going to be another fifty-eight to fifty-seven game, and it just didn't turn out that way. So Oklahoma saved their best for last on defense. So I mean, we're down here in West Palm Beach, uh, a couple hours from Central, from Orlando, where Central Florida is based, and. Uh, there's a lot of people that still were clamoring for Central Florida. Now this back-to-back undefeated seasons, um, they had made a, a remarkable comeback against Memphis to win the game, uh, being down 38-21. Um, is there ever a chance that a non-Power 5 school was going to break into this top four, or is, it, is that probably just never going to happen? I could see it happening. Uh, I don't think Central Florida was the team for it. If you looked at that team, this, this Central Florida team wasn't as good as last year's Central Florida team. Uh, you know, their strength of schedule, correct me if I'm wrong, I think was finished 112th in the country. And, you know, they're, they're, the conference they play and the non-conference games they play, I, you know, if that team, and I'm, I'm, I know people would argue with me all day long, if that team was in the SEC or Big Ten, they'd have four losses. Uh, defensively, they have a lot of deficiencies. And, uh, you know, this isn't the NCAA basketball tournament where you have upsets and you got 64 teams in or 68 teams in and uh, teams from smaller conferences, you know, you need to play a decent schedule, a power five schedule to really have a good shot at that top four. That being said, I, I really see a Boise state some year or a team like that, that would play a very good non-conference schedule and, and schedule two big top 25 teams on the road. And you'd have to win them both uh, of getting a shot at this. Now, again, now that they're going to get in a group of six bowl game, and their chances are they could go win it, although they don't have their star quarterback. He's out with a knee injury, of course. Uh, you know, it, it's different. Like last year, they're getting a lot of credit by beating Purdue in the Peach Bowl. And the year before, Houston beat Florida State, or two years before, Houston beat Florida State. It, it's easier to do for one ball game and, and get up for that one game. And, and believe me, the Power Five schools that play these group of five in a bowl, they don't like that at all. They got – nothing to gain, everything to lose. The other team's fired up, but it's a lot easier to do it for four quarters versus week in and week out. And like I said, you put that Central Florida team in the, in the SEC or Big Ten, they got four or five losses easy. And, you know, I could argue that with anybody all day long. Um, do you think you know a lot of people on the committee and you're definitely tied into college football um, it doesn't appear to be that there's ever, ever a move to, to add it to eight teams. Um, do you feel like it's going to stay at four, or is there a chance in the next maybe five years it'll go to eight? No, it's going to stay at four. Uh, yeah, I do know Bill Hancock, the commissioner, and uh, he is adamant that he wants to keep it at four. The presidents want to keep it at four, the university presidents. And, and I really believe it needs to stay at four, and I'll give you a good reason. Say if we had an eight-team playoff, and you're going into that Alabama-Georgia game Saturday night in the SEC championship game, if you got an eight-team playoff, pretty good chance both of those teams are going to be in no matter what happens, correct? Yes. So what does that game become? What, what, why even play the SEC championship game? Would you rest Tua? He got hurt. Wouldn't you rest him or rest your starters and rest up for the playoff? And the same goes for these other certain years, not every year, but certain years the, the, the championship games – of the conference, if you've got a team, two teams in the top five, maybe even two teams in the top six or seven, that game doesn't matter. Uh, the same with rivalry games, all right? Say if you got an 18 playoff, what does the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry game mean a week ago? They're both going to be in it, as long as Ohio State doesn't get blown out. So 
what what you would do is diminish the the uh, conference games, and like I said, not every one, but in certain years, certain conference, almost every year, the SEC conference game or championship game would be diminished, and then a lot of the rivalry games in certain years, Auburn, Alabama, same thing, where say if they got two top five teams, and and then you got an eighteen playoff, and not to mention you're going to have a lot of rematches. Uh, which I don't think is always good for college football. It's not the NFL where you play another team twice in one year. Uh, nobody in college football likes a rematch. But what makes this sport the best sport going, in my mind, is the regular season. Every game means so much and counts for so much. And that includes the robbery games at the end of the year, which uh, make college football what it is. When you have Ohio State, Michigan, Auburn, Alabama, uh, you can go on down the line with all the great robberies and what they mean and I look at it like those, they do become playoff games in, in a lot of regards. They become quarterfinal games. And you can look at it that way. I mean, Georgia, Alabama mattered because the winner was going to get in definitely. Now, if Alabama had lost the game, there would have been great debate over them for the number four seed. So I don't see it expanding. You'd have to find another week to play that extra game. And let's face it, the, in December, these kids do go to school. They do have final exams, <laughs> and now you're expanding the season. One more game, it's taxing enough on their bodies. Well, you know, I remember a time where they had 10 regular season games. And it went to 11, went to 12, and now the championship games, you got 13. And now not only a bowl game, you got two playoff games, you're up to 15 games. So they're right on the cusp of a normal NFL season, and it's just, uh, it's just too much. You see a lot of injuries. Uh, the final two weeks of the season in the bowl games. And that's why these kids that are maybe top 10 picks are setting out bowl games. So you're an expert of both on Oklahoma and I mean, college football in general, but I guess the two coaches are very interesting. I mean, Lincoln Riley's very young and, and now people are saying he's going to go to the NFL and urban Meyer. Um, I mean, I keep hearing about his health issues next year, September, when we start to watch football are both going to be on the sidelines for Oklahoma and Ohio state. If I had to gamble on that, yeah, I'd say they would be. I know Lincoln Riley, uh, I, I, uh, I could say right now 100% sure he'd be back at Oklahoma next year. He's not going anywhere right now. Maybe down the road uh, with another four to five or six years experience at Oklahoma, maybe a championship or two, he might entertain the NFL. He, he said recently, he'd never say never. Uh, I don't ever see Urban Meyer in the NFL. And uh, uh, I would see – I don't see Urban Meyer at another college program. He's at the program he loves. He grew up uh, uh, rooting for the Buckeyes. He's from Ohio. Uh, I think if he walks away someday, he'd get back into television or a low-stress job. And, uh, you know, I've written about this many times, but coaches today, when they retire or get fired from a top 25 program, they really don't need to go get a job. I mean, their net worth is anywhere from 25 to $50 million, a lot of them, and I'm including him in that category. Not like the old days when they got fired and they were making $80,000 a year. They had to go find a job to support their family. So it's not like he's going to take another college job somewhere. He does have health health issues. There's no doubt about it. He gets these massive headaches, uh, severe headaches from the cyst in his brain. Uh, he doesn't want to have surgery again. He had that before. Uh, it, it's magnified by stress. But uh, I see him coming back next year. I think a lot of these reports that he's leaving after the season are a little bit erroneous. Um, so we'll see what happens. I don't see him there maybe in five years, but I do see him coaching in 2019. Um, and one final question, Jeff. Thanks. This is Jeff Snook, who has written 14 books. What's your latest book that, that people would should read on the uh, uh, that's out there on Amazon? 
Well, my last book wasn't even a football book. It was my first baseball book, uh, Hawk Harrelson, the broadcaster for Chicago White Sox and uh, former Red Sox and Indian player. Uh, uh, I wrote his uh, life story with him. Uh, I spent last summer, not this past summer, summer of 2017 with the White Sox traveling uh, uh, with them and him and uh, wrote his life story, and that came out this past April. So uh, it's called The Hawk, and you can find that anywhere uh, on the web or in any bookstore. Um, and why? Well, I guess the final one is who? Who do you think is going to end up? Who are who are the two final teams, and who do you think is going to win it all? You know, I see Alabama winning the game. You know, the quarterback's hurt. Two is hurt. He's got a high ankle sprain that they announced today. Normally, a high ankle sprain is two to three weeks recovery, maybe more. It's a pretty tough, kid. Uh, that's the type of thing. If he would rest it, and and they do all the treatment that they do now with uh, modern. Uh, uh, health science that he, you know, they begin practice down in Miami on probably the 24th, 23rd, 24th. They'd have a week before that in Tuscaloosa. And, and I, you know, he's just such a type, type of tough kid. Uh, he'd probably at 80 or 90% still, they'd shoot it up and he would play. And uh, with him on the field, you've seen Oklahoma's defense, you've seen their pass defense. Uh, you know, it'd be almost like holding serve. Uh, I, I wouldn't picture. Oklahoma slowing Alabama down very much. The big, the big match everybody everybody wants to see is Oklahoma's offense against that defense. I'd pick I'd pick Alabama in that game. The other game I'm going to go with Clemson. Uh, Notre Dame was on the tightrope many times early in the season. I, I just think Clemson could could uh, uh, play that. That'll be a pretty even game, maybe through a half. And I'd see Clemson pulling away in the second half. Jeff Snook, I want to thank you so much for popping by Ira on Sports. Thank you so much for your uh, insight, and uh, we hope that uh, we get some uh, a better result for Ohio State uh, going into next year. It's seven twenty. Hey, not a thanks problem. Thanks for having me, Ira. You guys have uh, a good night. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. Seven twenty-three. Ira on Sports, ninety-five-nine. True Oldies Channel. Mike Balsamo, Sean Lagrega. We're here as well. You know, we were touching on the Alabama and Georgia game. I got to tell you, I really enjoyed this game. This was this was a good one, guys. Um, I didn't think it was going to be that close. I didn't, obviously, you know, you're never anticipating an injury. But this showed me Bama's courage. Ira, it showed me what they stand for. And at the end, I was kind of happy to see them win in a weird way. I don't know why, but I was happy to see Alabama get this this W. What a game. I yeah. mean, it was <laughs> it was one of the best football games I've ever watched. Uh, you came and you're expecting them to win by a couple of touchdowns, and, and Tua throws the interception to begin the game. You saw how hard Georgia played, um, and, and they were just, it was just, it was, it was amazing how they were able to, Georgia was able to stay in the game and then take the lead. Uh, you know, they, they went up 20 14 and this is the whole idea of redemption the fact that Jalen Hurts was the quarterback uh, you know he 2016 he had 36 total touchdowns he was 14 and 1 he lost in one of the greatest football games ever played to Deshaun Watson in the championship game game. comes back the next year leads them to an undefeated season again or not undefeated they lost to Auburn but one loss again and then gets pulled in the second half of championship game I mean, I mean, he, the good thing about Jalen is he's, his dad is a high school quarter, a high school coach, so he comes from that background. But we saw with uh, Kelly Bryant of uh, Clemson, he transferred out. He left. He quit the team when he was told that he wasn't going to be the starter. Hurt stays with the program, does not criticize two at all. You don't hear anything but just support. Never. They show them on the sideline. He's always supporting him. Uh, here's a guy that should has every reason to have left the program but yeah. stayed, and then his time came in, and at the end of the game was just un. I mean, he was just, it was just, it was just tremendous. He was three and five. He was, he had third down, third and five. I mean, first of all, Tua led them down to make it 28-21. And then he got hurt. 
And then Hertz mm-hmm. comes in and he then led that the drive to take them to make 28-28. They went 16, 80 yards on 16 plays. When he was out, he's been injured. He had two injured ankles himself. Yeah. They stopped. Then Georgia made the mistake on that fake punt. So Georgia has the ball oh, back. What a horrible play call. That was well, a, it was nuts. I, I couldn't believe they did that. I think Kirby Smart. I think Kirby Smart might have outsmarted himself. Yeah, smarted himself. <laughs> but yeah. I think he's maybe he had been, because he was on the Alabama staff for eleven years. He felt he knew Nick Saban more than yeah. anyone else. Felt like that would they would that was their chance. And there was something that he saw that that to try that. But then he lets them Alabama a short field, and then uh, and then they came down, and then Hurts. And that was interesting. That Hurts threw the, his criticism was he can't pass the ball, but he he threw great for the game. He was seven for nine for eighty two yards with a touchdown. But then he ended up running the ball in for the winning touchdown at the end. And then this time, Alabama's defense, uh, who I didn't think, I think Alabama's defense did not play well this game at all. Fromm, Jake Fromm, mm. played great for Georgia. And uh, and then you see what Georgia was trying to do, bringing Justin Fields in. They're great. Yeah. They're number, the number one quarterback in America, and they're trying to fit him in. But it seemed like they were just... Was it this in the right situation? Like Fromm should have stayed in the game, and I, they were just pushing Fields in the game. But but Georgia's offense looked great. But then at the end, finally Alabama did have that stop, and then of winning the game. You know, it's interesting. You bringing up, you know, why didn't Hurts transfer? This is something that's always baffled me because ninety nine percent of athletes would do it. I would do it if I was in that situation. This is this is a this is a thirty for thirty in the making. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. a decade or so from now, the the whole story back and forth between them two. Yeah, and I and I think it's remarkable, and and especially at the end of the game where they were talking about it, they asked him over and over again. He said, you know, after that game, uh, he was there with his family. I think his sister, his mom, his dad, and you know, kind of said, "What do we do?" And his dad says, "We fight." You know, and that just goes to show kind of who this kid is, um, what his family's about, how he was brought up. Uh, one quote that he said, it kind of feels like I'm breaking my silence because, as you pointed out, Ira, he didn't throw anybody under the bus. I mean, there was a few comments earlier in the season uh, during SEC Media Day uh, that he had just kind of mentioned, hey, I, I was not told over the course that I wouldn't mm-hmm. be, be the starter, but he stayed, he competed. The reason why he stayed at Alabama and he kept pointing to is that he graduates. And, and for him being, I believe it was the first person in his family to, to graduate college with a degree, that was so important for him. So whether he stays, you know, and, and, and goes, you know, as a, a redshirt senior someplace else, which I would expect because two is not going to come out, so I don't know if he's going to stay at Alabama mm-hmm. one more year. But to do this, we talk about the redemption of Georgia. How about the redemption of Jalen Hurts? I mean, to be pulled in the same exact game against the same exact team in the same exact building to do exactly what the quarterback that you got pulled for did and beat the same team in the way that he did it. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Mike, I mean, talking about the 30 for 30, I mean, this is going to be something that lives in like college football lore for a long time. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, like you said, I, this was an amazing game. It had all the storylines. Unbelievable. It, it, it made it for me. And, and, you know, I haven't been as excited about, uh, you know, college football playoff pretty much since they started it, <laughs> since the first one. I'm ready to see what happens. Well, I thought, you know, how many times do we hear about these high school, the parents get involved? And yeah. I think my son should start. I mean, if there's anybody who should start, it would be Jalen Hurts with his <laughs> resume. He had yeah. the resume of all resumes. Yeah. And I think that he, the fact that, he's, that he, not only did he stay there, but he was prepared and ready to go. And I got to give Nick Saban a lot of credit because the media was attacking him like you got to name a starter and he was very cautious to say I'm not going to name a starter he was very deferential to Jalen he handled it I mean these coaches are great the great great coaches and one of the things that make them so great is they can handle these superstars talent Phil Jackson gets a lot of you know he's like oh anybody can coach Michael anybody can coach Kobe Bryant but he coached them better than anyone else coached them. It's, <laughs> coaching, it's coaching the personalities, not just the players. And, and that's what takes skill. Right, and Greg Popovich gets a lot of credit, but Quali yeah. Leonard, he couldn't, he couldn't coach. And I think yeah. this Nick Saban, and Nick Saban has, they have five-star recruits, and they're loaded at different positions. But it's a lot of, he has a lot of hand-holding 
uh, and trying to handle this to keep this hand holding to keep this team together. Yeah. And uh, boy, Alabama looked great, and they played they played fantastic, and was such an exciting game. It's amazing he's been able to do it for as long as he has, because it's not easy to do that, especially with like you said, he's got guys. He doesn't have many guys that that can play five years. They're, they're usually moving on once they're good enough. I seven twenty nine to Iron Sports ninety five nine True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Sean McGregor is here. Uh, plenty to talk about when it comes to NFL. We'll get to that soon. But Ira, this is one of the weirdest. Uh, one of the weirdest conference championship matchups I've seen in a long time. It was Pitt versus Clemson. Did you ever give Pitt a chance? Or did, I mean, I think a lot of people saw this result. Coming. I just like the quarterback from Pitt had the greatest stat line because I love to read stats. He was four for fourteen for eight yards. <laughs> I mean, that, that was just and an interception. I mean, it was it was a terrible game. Forty two ten. There was a total blowout. It was in the rain. Uh, it was that. That's one problem. People want conference championships, and then when you divide it into divisions, Pitt just the, in the division. I mean, the mm-hmm. fact that Miami. Couldn't even win their own division, and that's the situation. I mean, that's it's, as a Miami. I mean, Miami started as a top ten team. Everybody assumed they were going to be in that conference championship game, and now they're playing, as they say, in the disappointment bowl with Wisconsin. <laughs> I mean, two top ten teams now playing in New York. I mean, you're going from Miami to New York for the uh, for Christmas. Is that what they're dubbing it, the disappointment bowl? Yeah, because both <laughs> yeah. teams were, were top ten. But that's awesome. but uh, but Clemson did what they had to do. They just if they would have lost that game, they would have been out of the playoff. But they. Yeah. Uh, they're just prepared now. They're, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how they go against Notre Dame. Now remember, Notre Dame didn't play, so yeah, Clemson yeah. had, but Clemson sort of didn't play, but they because uh, they they were it was such an easy win. I thought the Big Ten championship would be a little more lopsided. Northwestern put up a little bit more fight than I was anticipating versus Ohio State. Well, I. Jeff said Jeff came in and said that that game didn't matter. I think it did matter, and I do think that yeah. the Ohio State didn't look. They didn't look. I know the score was 45-24, but uh, they missed a field goal. With at one point it was 31-24 with 10 minutes left, and uh, I felt like you know you felt like Northwestern was still in the game. Yeah. Uh, and then Haskins. I mean Haskins was absolutely phenomenal. He was 34 for 41, 499 yards and five touchdowns. But Ohio State did give up 418 yards. I mean I criticize all the time Oklahoma, but Ohio State's defense. I mean, against Michigan was great, but I just there's some that that's that's what's going to be haunting them. But they their defense against Purdue was horrendous, and horrendous. I do think that Purdue, if we can go talk about the championship, I I think that Purdue lost. I mean, the Purdue coach, I think Purdue played very well this year. They were six and six, and if they weren't so if they weren't such a good team, Louisville wasn't offering their coach like eight million dollars a year to coach. Jeff Brom's a phenomenal Brom, coach, yeah. and next year Purdue's going to be a top team. But uh, I don't think I think if Ohio State would have won that game fifty to nothing, it would have been a lot closer. I think I think Ohio State might have got in. Let's uh, let's keep. Moving down the list here, this game, like you said, this was another thrilling game, and you know we talked to uh, Jeff Snook about it a little bit earlier. Memphis versus UCF, and I, I you know, I've come out uh, publicly on this show plenty of times that I'm all I'm all for UCF. I, I want to see them in the playoff. I realize it's not going to happen, but uh, you know, just another great performance from a team without their starting quarterback guy. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Mackenzie Wilson, Wilson, he's injured, and the, but uh, Mac came in and played a good game. But what's weird about the game was UCF's down 38-21 at halftime. Uh, Daryl Henderson rushed uh, for 10 carries for 207 yards. Amazing. And another back had 10 carries for 94 yards. And you're like, it's over. Now, Memphis has had this lead before in UCF. And you're like, they're never going to come back again from that. And they come back. I mean, you rushed for 200 yards in the first half. And then he only rushed for three yards in the second half. And they come back and win easily 56-41. They were losing by 17. I mean, I don't know if this was the if this is what the San Diego did against the Steelers. Yeah. And that was not probably not as impressive. But, I mean, that was tremendous. And, and what a great win for you. 
WCF in the stands. If it was, I was watching. It was both shaking, shaking because it, it was had that, shaking it was like on TV. The stands, it was shaking. It was awesome. It was crazy. It's great. It was. It was a great game to, to see, and and hopefully, I mean, Jeff says, well, UCF has to schedule these teams. It's hard. Nobody wants to play. Who's going to no. schedule yeah, UCF? Nobody, exactly. Nobody wants to at a non-conference play UCF. I, I think to Jeff's point though is is when you when you are UCF, and if you want to be considered one of these top four teams, you can't be in these blowouts. The I mean the, these high scoring games in the 50s and the 40s and and playing these super close games you got to really be going out there and absolutely dominating uh your competition and we've seen that uh from last year to this year you know with both teams i remember the the usf game uh was a high scoring affair uh, uh last year so um i thought it was a big win for ucf to lose milton you know that he was their emotional leader the leader of this team um and matt came in played phenomenal so it only shows how well UCF is going to go into uh, next year with the roster that they have. But um, great game all the way around, but definitely showcases why UCF shouldn't be considered one of those top four teams in uh, the college football playoff. All right, Ira, you're on the spot, buddy. You're the selection committee. How would you have weighed this, and what was going into your thought process here on who should be? I, I think most people are pretty set on the top two, but I think... Three and four were very much up for debate. What's your take, guy? Well, you look at things like resume, and you also look at can they win. Um, like certainly, if Pitt played Clemson, and it was the most amazing game you've ever seen in ten overtimes, Pitt would not get in with five losses. Mm -hmm. So the point is, you need to have the resume to get in the conversation. When you saw Georgia play Alabama, and you saw how well Georgia played, uh, that I felt that the loss to LSU was still a good loss, even they got blown out. Uh, but I felt like their wins. Were I, I would have put Georgia in. I felt after they beat Florida. I kind of agree with you. They beat Florida 36-17. They beat Kentucky 34-7. When, when Kentucky was ranked 34-17. They beat Auburn 27-24 when Auburn was ranked. And they beat Georgia Tech. And then they lose to the, I think their, their wins to me, they, they were, their wins to me, were better. I think their loss was a weaker loss. And I and I, I think how they played against Alabama was a positive. I don't consider them a two-loss team. But if the committee did not want to reschedule them, and I think Alabama is happy that Georgia's out. Like, Alabama was like... Oh, that, yeah, definitely. They're, they're, that, to me, that was the team they were afraid of. I just... I would put Oklahoma six. I am not sold. So... I think Oklahoma only has like two good wins, and I think people didn't watch them. I think Oklahoma's benefiting by the fact that they played so late at night that people sometimes their games went on forever because that Texas Tech game was terrible. They won 51-46. This is a team, Texas Tech, that scored six points against Kansas State and 24 points against <laughs> Baylor, but they scored 46 against Oklahoma. Oklahoma's defense was horrendous. I get, these are the, at the end of the year. Oklahoma State scored 47 and lost by one, 48-47. This is a team that scored 24 against uh, only 24 against TCU, whose defense was terrible. And then they gave up Kansas. Kansas they gave 40 points. So I almost consider Oklahoma had I said five bad wins. Ohio State people said well they were consistent, and I know the committee had said that they were inconsistent too. But I felt that Oklahoma was far. They were they were consistently bad. I didn't think. It was, <laughs> and I I think the Army game is going way under under the radar. That was an overtime game. That was. Wasn't regular season. That was it. Was in overtime. They won 28 21. Um, they the fact that they could only score 20 points against Army. Their offense is supposedly so amazing mm -hmm. and great, and they gave up 28 points. And Army held them. Um, I just didn't. I'm not sold on them. I, I there's look. I like the Big 12. I think the games are great. I think the offenses are fantastic. I give them credit. The win over West Virginia was amazing. But I think Ohio State. This is now two years in a row that they haven't got in in the championship. Now it's I'm not just it's not a pity party for Ohio State because they certainly <laughs> have. I mean, if you look at the the this is the fifth year of the playoff. The SEC champ has gotten five times plus Bama once when they were mm -hmm. the ACC champ has gotten five times. The Big Ten champ has only gotten two times, and Ohio State got in another time when Penn State won the Big Ten title. Yeah. And then the Big 12. 
has been in thir- three times. The Pac-12 is the t- this conference that should be more upset. They've only in five years got one team, team in the playoffs. Yeah. So, Crazy. But, but it's like it's now two years in a row. Ohio State hasn't been able to get in, and I just thought oh, I I think Ohio, I think that the Purdue game is being held too much against against Ohio State. I think their wins against. Um, against uh, uh, Michigan are tremendous. I think their win against Michigan State and Penn State, I think these were really good wins to go. I, I think, I, I, I'm not saying it was, it's close. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe. Like the penalty against, uh, they didn't call in San Diego's Steeler <laughs> game. That was awful. But this, it was a close, I think it's a close, it's a close call, but I would have picked, I would have picked Georgia, then I would have picked Ohio State. You didn't want to put Georgia in, then I put Ohio State, and then I think Oklahoma would have been six. I, you know, I, I definitely agree with you here on, on this. And, and maybe it's because I don't respect teams that don't play defense in any sport. So, you know, I don't want to see them. All right, guys, so what's your predictions here? Ira, what do you think? I, I, we're pretty – I think everyone in America, you know, is pretty sure that Clemson and Bama are going to win. Do you think these games are going to be close? Do you think they're competitive? What kind of score should we be looking at uh, from the two first-round playoff games? I think Alabama's going to win 52-60. I'm going to put – I don't think they're ever going to stop. I don't think they'll punt. I think I would not try any hard passes. I don't think Oklahoma can tackle. And I think the way Alabama's offensive line, they have professional offensive linemen. Oklahoma yeah. has, I don't know what they have on defense. And I think as I, the joke is that they should try to get a score for two points, go for two and, and try to win every time they score. But I think they get destroyed by Alabama. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong on that one. And then Notre Dame, I think that Notre Dame-Clemson could be closer. Clemson has... I just there's something about this game that scares me. I don't. I'm not. Both games are about two touchdown favorites, mm-hmm. and I have, I'm very confident Alabama is not. So I would probably take Notre Dame in the points. Still think Clemson's going to win the game. Shawnee? Yeah, I think I think the Alabama Oklahoma game is going to be closer than people think because Oklahoma can score so fast. I mean that offense really truly is explosive, and there's nothing like that in the SEC uh, in terms of that Alabama. Now Alabama's loaded on defense. I understand all that, but they haven't seen an offense like this this Lincoln Riley uh, uh, Sumer uh, offense. Uh, Kyler Murray's playing unbelievable. I think now Probably after been, yeah, I, I think now that Tua didn't play well against Georgia. I think the overall uh, record he's he's looking he's the, he's the front runner for the Heisman right now. So I think that game will be closer, but I think Babbitt edges it out and I think Clemson absolutely steamrolls Notre Dame I don't I haven't thought Notre Dame was a good team all year um you know they 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 had a couple scares there when you look at their schedule out of these four teams I mean they easily had the easiest schedule I mean you, you have non-conference games against you know USC Syracuse uh Pitt and almost losing that game I mean I just didn't think that Notre Dame I just didn't think Notre Dame played the quality teams. You know, they caught Michigan very early in the year. I felt if they played that game later in the year, Michigan probably wins that game. But I think Clemson absolutely steamrolls Notre Dame. 740, Iron Sports, 95.9, True Oldies Channel. Mike and Sean, we are here as well. You know, Ira, you talked about these being, uh, you know, like two two score spreads or, you know, maybe even two touchdown spreads uh, once it's all said and done. You know, this year we've had two NFL teams lose with 14 or more points. One of them was yesterday. <laughs> well, you know, they, uh, Green Bay was given 14 to Arizona, 14 and a half to Arizona. And we also saw the Bills do it uh, against the Vikings a couple of weeks ago. So I don't know what's going to happen. Of course, I'm leaning towards them, uh, leaning towards Bam and Clemson, but we're going to see. Let's get into the NFL. Talk about a good week to be an underdog. I can't remember a time when so many just... Even if they didn't win, there were so many exciting finishes. The 1 o'clock games were fantastic yesterday. I was glued to my couch. I'm sure people were either making a lot of money gambling or losing a lot of it because some of these were unpredictable. Sean, we know why you're here. How about them Cowboys? 
you've been uh, Christmas came early for, for Sean LaGrega and Cowboys Nation but I gotta tell you that game was amazing and congratulations to the Cowboys they're in the driver's seat now in the NFC East um, Sean what do you think you know the, the the prognosis is going forward for this team because they, as a Giants fan, it looks like the sky's the limit for these guys. That's kind of scary. Yeah, well, I think, and, and we talked about it when we when we talked uh, earlier in the year before the season started. And I said, I said this defense can be elite. I said they're going to sneak up on people. Uh, Lane Vander Esch is an absolute monster, best linebacker and, in the league. Oh my god, right now, yeah. I mean, it's and he's a rookie. He didn't start. He didn't start the first four games of the season, and he leads the league in solo tackles. Are you kidding me? I mean, he's unbelievable. <laughs> and even in the, the next two games, it was only kind of he was getting phased in. Jalen Smith has completely come back from the devastating knee injury that he suffered at Notre Dame. I think the, people would not even know what happened. The, the investment that Jerry Jones put in with the second-round pick saying, oh, we should have got Miles Garrett and, you know, the list of all these other, all these other players. I mean, it, these guys, especially how young they are, are phenomenal. And they single-handedly won that game on defense. I mean, you can go, and let's just look at it. I mean, Drew Brees averaging over 300 yards per game. I think it was 337 through for 127. Alvin Kamara rushed for 36 yards. They had 192 yards total. Drew been, Brees had never gone over four to open a game in his he had He had 46 yards passing in the first half. I mean, so Demarcus Lawrence to come out, I thought it was great before the before the game started. And he said, listen, everybody has a plan, uh, you know, in place till they get punched in the mouth, you know, using a Mike Tyson line. But that's exactly what the Cowboys did. And the scariest part about this defense is we're getting a bunch of guys back. We're getting Sean Lee back. We're getting Daniel Irving back. Um, Randy Gregory finally seems to be healthy. So we're, we're starting to get some of those other guys that can rush the pass or Sean Lee, where he fits in now with these two guys. I think he's going to play on the weak side. Uh, uh, off the ball linebacker, kind of where he really belongs. Mm-hmm. But but if if the Cowboys can play this level of defense, because the offensive line is still atrocious. I mean, it, it truly is. It, since Frederick went down, losing Smith, uh, Dak has been sacked more than anybody. I think by like twenty sacks this year. He's over fifty for the season. Uh, that's the most he's ever had in his three four years with the Cowboys. Um, but if the defense could continue to play like this, I, I, I said it when we we're talking about the Rams. You're we talking about uh, the Saints. I, I always said, I said, the Chicago Bears and the Dallas Cowboys can play with those teams because we play such good defense. And the Cowboys showed that on Thursday night. I haven't seen you guys have a defense like this or a performance from you guys' defense in, in two decades. Uh, Ira, I know you were on the bandwagon with me thinking there's no chance <laughs> that New Orleans not only loses but gets held to 10 points, Ira. I, I didn't see this one coming. I just got to say, is Alvin Kamara, I've watched him for two years. Uh, besides Gurley's, he's one of the best running backs I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Super talented. Unbelievable. There was a play, and it's, it's stuck in my mind. I can't get out. When Leighton Van Der Esch, I mean, Alvin Kamara is a type of running back that you need almost, it seems like, 15 people to tackle. Mm-hmm. Like, even when he goes down, it's like they're putting him out of bounds. He is fast. He's strong. He's quick. He's elusive. You can't get him. Leighton Van Der Esch was caught with him one-on-one in the middle of the field. So Kamara could go left, go right. Van Der Esch just wrapped him up and took him down. And I was like, that's like Superman with kryptonite. Yeah. Like, I don't know what, like, what was What he else could you do? Like, what I, I could not, like, I, it's, when I, it's like someone tackling Superman. Yeah. I was like, how did that person, like, Van Der Esch do that? And then he made tackle after tackle. I mean, it's one of the finest defensive performances yeah. I've ever seen in a and game. The, and the one tackle that stood out to me was Jalen uh, when for their field goal. Uh, Kamara's bounces outside. I think it was a. I think it was just a little screen pass. Alvin Kamara has daylight to the end zone. He beat the corner. Uh, has daylight to the end zone. Jalen Smith comes from the right hash and sh- sprints and runs Alvin Kamara down like a dog. 
and tackles him on the two-yard line. They hold him. We uh, we hold him to a field goal. Just unbelievable. The speed and the ability to tackle from those two guys, it's transcending this defense. It truly is. I mean, Byron Jones is right now, and I mean, pro football focus, rank him the number one quarterback in the league. Held Michael Thomas, who's been blowing up, to 40 yards receiving in that game. He hasn't had a, a, an opponent in the past six weeks go for over 50 yards against him. That's so we have players. Demarcus Lawrence is a monster. I mean, outside of him. But uh, Randy Gregory has really stepped up. But those two guys in the middle... When it comes to you know running the ball and, and, and being able to cover, too, that's the one thing that they can do. They can go downfield and run with slot receivers and tight ends. Oh, and by the way, as Ira points out, they can tackle Alvin Kamara wide open in the middle of the field one-on-one. I mean, it's, 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 it's the hardest tackle in the league. It's much. absurd watching these guys play, and it's actually fun. It's, I, I, I said it before the game. It's like watching Brian Urlacher and Ray Lewis playing together side-by-side side because the speed, their ability to tackle, the smart football plays they make, it, it's just really fun to watch as a Cowboys fan. Ira, let's talk about the Steelers game. This one was just, it was interesting. And there were so many weird little nuances to this game. The Chargers ended up getting the win 33-30 to uh, over you guys last night. Tell us about it. Well, I, the stat, I'm trying to get these stats right, but I guess the stat was this. When the Steelers had a lead of 16 points or more at home, it was, they were 220-0-2. Yep. <laughs> or some crazy number. That's well, what I, it was. It was and, yeah, I saw it on the. I saw the graphic on TV. And now, and now that's two twenty one and two. <laughs> I mean, it was. Uh, first of all, it was so weird. I flew up for the game and just fly into the game and then flew right back. So I was there for like twenty four hours. Um, and the weather, it was like sixty degrees. It was warmer in Pittsburgh than it was here like weird. last week. <laughs> and uh, just, I thought that was weird. But it was. I, I was pumped for the game. I was excited about the game. And the game started out just like the Carolina game did. I mean, the Steelers are just tremendous. Ben, everyone's criticizing Ben with Antonio Brown. And Antonio Brown, I think he started the year off slow. He oh, wasn't in shape. He was injured. But now he and Ben, they were connecting on that pass. They had a 50-yard pass down the one-yard line. Then Connor runs it in. Mm-hmm. And then they drove down again. And they scored. They missed an extra point, which they usually do. So it's 13 nothing. And then what I think this could have, game could have gone like, 30 to nothing. But there was the worst call I, I've ever seen in football. <laughs> and I, I mean, Rivers threw this pass, and the offensive lineman, not only, it's not just move, oh, the offensive lineman. He no, was offens- three yards off the line of scrimmage. <laughs> he stood up. Yeah. And started back Yeah, it was bad. And it was like, it was I thought they, I saw the, I've seen the replay five times. I just don't know how you miss it. Yeah, like, it there, there's two guys on the line that are supposed to call it. And it, I, I, I wish people could watch this play. The offensive lineman was backing up. It looked hilarious. Like, he was the only one. And then the Steelers didn't jump, weren't offsides, weren't with everything. But then it slowed uh, Mike Hilton for the Steelers, the cornerback, just like st- they stopped playing. The Chargers threw the ball, thinking, well, that didn't mean anything. Because I, I also, you heard whistles. I couldn't believe that. It, it was confusing on TV as well. Yeah, it was horrible. And it was the worst yeah. call. And I couldn't believe. And the refs, and like, the refs, how they not how they can officiate that again is just after after that's one of the worst calls. He was backing up. It was not just a, it wasn't a yeah, flinch. wasn't a flinch. Yes, I mean they make these games are decided by inches and how people move. I mean this he stood up and he was a big guy, he's like three hundred fifty pounds, and he's taking three steps back as Sean said, and they score the touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was no that that was really uh, an interesting game all around. The refs didn't have a good weekend pretty much across the league. No. This was not uh, not their best performance. Speaking of not their best performance. But getting a win, the Miami Dolphins. This is a weird team, and and I love how you know local uh, media is kind of making fun of them. Uh, We're in the hunt. That's you know the slogan now. They are you know they could make the playoffs, but this is not a a pretty win. Um, Tannehill looked okay. 
you know, as far as everything, you know, as far as the, that stuff goes. But this offense just isn't very good. The defense is just not very good either. I, the Bills are not a good team. You're supposed to win these games. This is a lot closer than than I thought it was going to be. This reminds me of a Tennessee Titans team who I enjoy making fun of on this show, where you really never know what you're going to get week in and week out. They're going to let bad teams hang around, and they might occasionally upset some good teams. Ira Dolphins got a win over the Bills. They're in the playoff hunt, but I'm not really sold on these on these Dolphins. I what, what was your takes from the game? Well, as I've said, the Dolphins schedule is easy. I, yeah, mean, I think I think it's I think it's easy, and I, and I just wanted to go right back to the Steeler game for just one. Oh, I'm second. sorry, go ahead. that's that's okay. I was just because it was the tail of first half. So, I mean, that's what the Steelers wanted to end the game too. They were up at the first half. They ended with a touchdown, so it was twenty three seven. They thought it was over, and I go, I get my pretzel, I get a Coca Cola, <laughs> I come back. I think that's what I mean. It's it dominant game. The Steelers have the ball to start the second half, so it's gonna be up thirty to seven, whatever. They go down, they don't do anything, and then suddenly it was just the Chargers go down and score, and on a weirdest play of the world. That I mean, the plays were so weird. They threw yeah. a touchdown, and it was intercepted by Joe Hayden. And then his own player did a helmet the helmet hit. Sean Davis crashed into him, <laughs> knocking the ball in to Williams for San Diego, who scores. That was and then crazy. you're like, okay, well, still everything's under control. Relax. Steelers go down. Then they punt the ball. Then they return a punt for a touchdown when there was like three clips. Now that I'll give maybe the refs okay on that, but they, and they they score that way. And then and then on both plays, have you ever seen a team score twice and get two two point conversions at the same time? <laughs> so they reset sixteen, and then suddenly they just go down again, and they're up, now it's a. 30 to 23, and uh, it was just absolutely, the Steelers came down and tied it, and then, boy, the defense just did nothing. Yeah, Did yeah. nothing, and they let the Chargers walk the whole way down there, and then the, the, everyone's talking about the offsides because they, they went for field goals, Steelers were offsides, they missed it, <laughs> they kicked it again, the Steelers blocked it, but they were offsides again, <laughs> then they kicked it, they were offsides again. It was a it was, weird. Soon it was, was going to be the ball was going to be on the one-yard line. It was like, crazy. The Steelers, I mean, it was just a completely crazy ending to the game. It was terrible. Um, ben did not play well, but no, Ratzenberger, was, the quarterback. I wanted did, to bring that up. He had it, uh, her bad interception. That was Oh my God! Off the back foot, it was like, what was he thinking? Um, the Chargers are real. Philip Rivers is tremendous. Philip Rivers, he could win MVP. Twenty-six for thirty-nine. Twenty-six for thirty-six. Two hundred ninety yards, two touchdowns. Keenan Allen caught everything. He caught everything within five feet of him. It was insane. It was nuts. I, I mean, I don't know what happened between the first and second half. The Steelers, like, what I'm saying about adjustments. The Steelers went into their room, and I don't know. They they probably got a coke and got a pretzel like I did. I don't know. The Chargers, <laughs> they must have been like with calculations yeah. and computers or whatever, because they came out and suddenly they looked amazing. And Philip Rivers and Keenan Allen, it's like every time the Steelers couldn't cover them. They had they got them. They they did whatever. I mean, 14 catches. This is like high school football. Yeah. And. Derw- and Derwin James, who's the cornerback for San Diego, is tremendous. Yeah, tremendous. All he, over the place. He is like Deion Sanders in terms of coverage ability, but he tackles, and he's a tackler too. Yeah. He's he's they they really have drafted well. They have both on the defense. They have, uh, Ingram on the de- on defensive line. They are a very good team. They were without Melvin Gordon too. They were the second best running and, back. And, and in that league. was that was kind of the tale of the second half is when Justin Jackson got a little bit more playing time. He was the one that had the rushing touchdown. Yeah, Eckler didn't look um, so good against you. He didn't. No, he didn't do anything. Yeah. I mean, he was he was average. I thought it was going to be a big game. He, was, he, was, he was averaging less than two yards a carry. He actually ended up the game with less than two yards a carry, 13 for 21. Um, Jackson came in, and that one rush, I mean, he was patient, elusive. He comes around, and I don't even know how he didn't get touched, but he, like, scoots past, you know, a linebacker and a safety and then runs in untouched. I mean, and once he came into the game, you just saw that offense start clicking um, and having confidence in the run game, which really then opened up the pass uh, for Phillip Rivers. But I like how Ira pointed out between Ben and, and, and Phillip Rivers, there was I just felt there were so many times where Ben was trying to avoid contact, especially on that pick. It's, that's how you kind of got rid of it real fast. Phillip Rivers, man. 
He sits in the pocket and gets demolished and puts balls on the money. I can't tell you how many times he was throwing little out routes, little you know um, uh, comebacks to Keenan Allen right over the middle of the field where Phillip Rivers is waiting to the last possible second before he gets demolished mm-hmm. to get it, it, it to an open Keenan Allen uh, for, once he breaks out uh, off the route. So I just thought it was a tale of you know two different quarterbacks, even though Ben played well, and that's kind of the frustrating thing. <laughs> you know, and I ask this to you, Iritz, you know, we, I feel like we never know what Ben we're going to get. It's kind of like you see these great passes. I mean, the, the connection that he had with Antonio Brown in the first half, mm-hmm. unbelievable. But, but then you see the bad passes, and they kind of come out. Reminds me of, like, Donovan McNabb. Great great passes, you know, for majority of the game, and then a few passes, it's like, what, what, what are you doing? Ill-advised. You know, where does that come from? You know, so it's it's kind of crazy to me to to see Ben in one single game, you know, have these amazing throws and then and then just some knucklehead decisions that, you know, to, to me, I, I just can't explain. Ira, let's uh, hop back into Dolphins-Bills. This is a, a division matchup, so I expect them to be close. But I think the Dolphins might be the worst 6-6 six and six team I've seen in a long time. <laughs> they, they just There's nothing that they do that excites me on either side of the ball. Would they run for uh, 40 yards yesterday and well, they were won out, a game? They were out yarded or whatever. Had they, they had 175 yards, and uh, Buffalo had 415 yards. That's yeah, crazy. Tannehill had 126 yards the, passing, I think. 20, Three touchdowns. They only had 15 first downs. It's crazy. But I think 15. the story of the game was Josh Allen. Like, oh, yeah. you, because you're looking at the Dolphins saying, we could have had that guy as a quarterback. And whether and he threw the, at the end of the game, he ran around for like 15, 20 <laughs> seconds. He throws the ball in the end zone, and, and Clay, it was whether Clay dropped it or it wasn't there, whatever. And it's like, okay, the Bills lost and the Dolphins won. But it's like, would we rather have lost the game and had Josh Allen as our quarterback? Because the fans, I was at the game, I had friends at the game. They said they were booing Ryan Tannehill. I've never, I mean, the really? whole game that fans were booing him. And I don't know how they can go forward. Whereas I think if they would have had Josh Allen in the quarterback, um, if you're a Bills fan right now, you're excited. You have this great young quarterback who who runs, who passes. He's raw. He's me. Has only played in college a couple at a very small school. So it's uh, it. I think from a, I think from a perspective, that was a game where the Dolphins they won, but would they rather have Josh Allen as a quarterback? And I think that that's what, what this all boils down to. And and like you said, he's still raw. This guy probably shouldn't even be starting yet. He just happened to get drafted. It's lack of experience. We know what Ryan Tannehill is. He's the 16th best quarterback in the league. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like That's what you get that's, from Ryan Tannehill every high. week. <laughs> it, well, between 14 and 16. Yeah. He's going to hover in there. Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, I, if I was a Dolphins fan, I'd feel the same way. Like, you know what? I'd rather have something to be looking forward to than this 6-6 six and six record with the, the 16th best quarterback in the league and nowhere to go from here. I was shocked with this game. The Colts and Jackson. Andrew Luck has been the best quarterback in football over the last couple of weeks. Um, he was, what, three three, uh, three touchdowns, eight games in a row. He tied, you know, the record for the most times doing that ever. Um, Sean, I did not see them getting blacked out. And no. Jacksonville, with all the issues they've had, that defense looked like Jacksonville defense yesterday. I was very impressed by Jacksonville, kind of let down by Frank Reich's scheme with the Colts. What did you think? Yeah, I, I well to to start, he was my starting quarterback in fantasy. Yeah, I needed a win to get into the playoffs. Thankfully, I, I pulled it out, but he did nothing yeah. for me. After and I was glued to the TV watching the Colts get blanketed. Uh, but I, I really, I mean, Jalen Ramsey played the best game probably of his professional he, career. He was all over the place. He was all over the place. Now it's a division game, so the teams know each other. Um, kind of you know a, a prove it game. They're going out. Bortles isn't starting. They have Kessler in, so they're you know the the they're probably more fired up than they were, you know, with their lame duck uh, um, 
uh, quarterback in there. But zero excuses for the Colts to lose this game. Absolutely zero excuses. They need to go out, win this game. You know, uh, the can't let Titan- Cody Kessler beat you. You can't let Cody Kessler beat you, and especially with the dysfunction that that, that Jacksonville's had. You know, and and when you look at the standings, I mean, Houston's what one nine in a row or ten yeah, in a row. Started zero uh, t- uh, Tennessee's playing fairly decent, so you know their playoff hopes really. We're contingent on 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 this win, uh, and to go out and get goose egged, and and luck in my, in my opinion really didn't play all that bad. I just think the defense played yeah. so phenomenal. I agree, but it comes also down to the to the to the run game. Indy just doesn't have one. I mean, eight carries, twenty seven yards, was the leading rusher with Marlon Mack. When your quarterback has to throw fifty times every single game, which luck did. I mean, and the they mis- have a line now too. Yeah, they, they have a decent a line. line. Exactly, thirty three of fifty two. I mean, for for two fifty. So for if you're expecting your quarterback to throw. 50 times a game, even though Jacksonville hasn't played that well. They're still a good defense. They still have a lot of talent on that side of the ball. If you're expecting your quarterback to go out and throw 50 times a game and expect to win, I mean, that that's not a formula for success. So um, You can beat really, the Titans like that in some of your yeah, AFC South really teams. Conf- yeah. Really upsetting to see the Colts uh, get goose-egged by the Jags because they were one of those younger teams. Good story of Luck coming back, playing you know at an MVP level. I mean, he's been phenomenal this year, so uh, kind of disheartening to, to see the Colts go out and lose that one. It's 8 o'clock on the button. You're listening to Ira on Sports 95.9, the True Oldies Channel. Mike and Sean are here as well. We're going to go a little bit over here, but that always happens. Ira, you know, we were talking about Houston. This team, uh, this was, I, I thought this was going to be a better game than it was. Houston just, it was, they were up 20 nothing. It, it seemed like, uh, you know, two minutes into the second quarter, the game was over already. Baker Mayfield showed a little bit of fight. Um, not his best game of the season, but I, I just like the way he's going. What did you think here about Houston? Like you said, now nine straight wins. Well, it's it looks like Pittsburgh. Now, if Pittsburgh keeps losing games, and if they whoever wins that division, it might be the first round would be in. I mean, the top two teams in each conference get buys. They don't play the first week, and the wild cards play the the, the next division winners. Houston looks like they're going to have a home game. They, yeah. They're going to win. They're, they're easily going to win the division. Rate. And it's like the Steelers might have to go on the road the, to play. They have Houston. Tennessee left too on their schedule, and the Colts. Like they're they're going to get some more wins. Yeah. But as we talked about before, Deshaun Watson playing very good. Uh, Lamar Miller is staying healthy and mm-hmm. running, and they have their defense is turning up. I think uh, they and they're going totally under the radar. I mean, people are not nobody's talking about them at all. They're nine and three. I mean, they have the same they're the same record now as as the as the Patriots. Yeah. So, uh, but totally under the radar. Great team. They are. I mean, considering Bill O'Brien was going to get fired before the year started, and yeah. now they're nine and three. Let's talk uh, just briefly about my my Giants. This was a really weird game. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm kind of a bandwagon Bears fan this year. I love a team that nobody thought was going to do anything coming in and shaking the league up. I did not see this coming, even with Trubitsky out, Ira. I got to tell you, I'm starting to like Beckham again. <laughs> there was a long period where I just didn't like his antics. He's kind of put his, his money where his mouth is th- this year. He's shut up. And he's playing hard. You guys can, you know, I'm not saying you guys, but the media can blast him for that onside kick thing. He's, I don't put that on him. There's nothing he's going to do there. Yeah. He's going to get injured, if anything. Ira, but the Giants edged out a win against one of the best teams in football in the Chicago Bears. I was really impressed with them. I thought I, today I, I watched the whole game and I didn't think that Beckham did anything wrong though on sidekick. The ball was bouncing a it's weird just a way. Just a bad picture, yeah. And, and, and how's he supposed? He was supposed to be. I mean, the worst thing is for him to to reach it and then knock it. He thought there was another person said. I think. I mean, I criticize Odell Beckham a lot on that play when I, the national media has gone crazy today. I, I, I they're saying, oh, he didn't want Love to risk to getting hurt. I, I think he was just trying to get the ball. The idea is just stand there and get the ball. I mean, he threw a touchdown pass. He caught a touchdown pass. They, uh, <laughs> you know, the Bears came down. It was weird that they, they came down. 
touchdowns scored. I mean, they were, they were dominating the game, and then they were able to win out in overtime. And then and, and the Bears defense didn't play well in the first half. Finally, yeah. the Bears defense looked uh, looked weak. Um, guys, it's another week and another case of Matt Patricia looking like he has no idea what he's doing. I mean, he's Sean. He's like. He reminds me of a high school coach that's out outclassed. He looks, he's like sweating. He looks discombobulated. <laughs> the the Rams didn't look that good in this game either. No, they didn't. I was surprised the Lions hung in there with as long as long as they did. Yeah, but it was because of the you know it was because of the Rams. It wasn't you know what the Lions were doing. Sean, I, I still love the Rams this year, but it's games like this that really scare me. And granted, you've got you know. Um, New Orleans losing to Dallas, but if I'm the Rams, games like this, you're supposed to win this game handily, Sean. And like we were just saying, I don't know if they did enough for me to call themselves the best team in the NFC. No, and, and and that's the thing. It's when you look at the teams that are sitting up top, you know, the Rams, you have the Chiefs, uh, you have the Saints, you know, all three of those teams where they have a comedy, they score a ton of points, but they're lacking on defense. Um, and the Rams, they should go out and win this game, you know, more than 30 to 16. I know there's the late touchdown by Gurley that that kind of put them up more and, and padded the stats there. But, um, I mean, this is a game that they have to have. These are the games that they're supposed to steamroll. Is it a trap game? I mean, I heard a lot of that, that, that the Lions are going to play somewhat decently well against the Rams because it is a trap game. They locked up uh, – I believe they locked up their division last week. So kind of coming mm-hmm. in, it's like, well, what else do we have to play for? Um but, but at the end of the day, you know, the Rams, this is when you should be playing your best football. You should be playing your best football heading into December, steamrolling, going over teams, and, and, and that's where you're, you're not seeing the Rams and the Saints right now um, playing, playing their best brand of football. So kind of uh, upsetting if you're a Rams fan. If you're a Lions fan, yet again, you brought it up. Patricia just looks completely overmatched. Um, you know, Maybe it's the curse of the Belichick assistant where we haven't seen any assistants really uh, find success uh, in the NFL. Um, but yeah, just kind of kind of game that I thought shouldn't have been as close as it was. The Rams weren't doing enough, and the Lions just looked lost. It was the most talked about game of the weekend when it really had no business being talked about. But it's when a Super Bowl winning head coach gets fired midseason, it's always a story. Ira Mike McCarthy out in Green Bay, Arizona did enough to to win this game, in my opinion. Aaron Rodgers looked dejected. Didn't seem to want to be there. Maybe Mason Crosby's missing kicks on purpose to get to get McCarthy just, fired. That was funny. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with that team. I do think that a change of coach eye is going to be a big thing for Green Bay, but their season's essentially over now, and they looked awful losing to Arizona, which could be the worst team in, in the league. Well, it was, it was, it was the, the quarterback duel. You know, we saw Rivers versus uh, Ben, yeah. and then you saw Josh Rosen uh, versus uh, yeah. a rookie against uh, Aaron Rodgers. And again, I, I, you know, I'm not an I'm not this, you know, everyone's on first take goes, he's the bad man. I, I think Aaron Rodgers is just playing bad. Aaron Rodgers is not making the passes that he that he has to make. I mean, he threw the ball 50 times and only had 230 yards. Uh, and Couldn't get it done on, on the, the final the, drive. Yeah, and on the final drive, it was a second down and a five, third down and a fourth and five. He was unable to get the, he was, he was unable, he, the best he was able to get the team in on an Arizona defense that isn't very good at all is to get to the 50-yard line. Uh, it got to 50, 40, whatever, made it a 50-yard mm-hmm. kick. And then he's mad that Crosby missed the kick. But it's, uh, and then they're blaming, you know, the question is, is like now McCarthy, but to, to fire McCarthy in the middle of the season, the Super Bowl winning coach, 125 wins, 77 losses. He's had wins, years of 15 wins, 11 wins, 12, 10, and 10. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I just, I don't think I, I think he deserved at least, if he wanted to quit, he could quit, but I think he deserved to stay on to the end of the year. The only time it's ever happened, a Super Bowl winning coach getting fired midseason was 1969. I was going to say, yeah. It, 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 or 1970, it was after, um, 
it, it was a Colts coach in the in the early seventies. So this doesn't happen often. I, I know the Jets; they're knocking on Mike McCarthy's door already. I, I just. I don't know that, but I would assume be a good that match, that's where yeah. they're going. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's how that's going to shake out. Mike McCarthy's not going to be unemployed in this league. He's only no. 55 years old. I mean, people think that McCarthy's coaching, but he got the job when he was, when he was younger. He's won 125 games, but he's, he's actually from Pittsburgh, which I think is really? so yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, but, uh, but no, I mean, he's... I, 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 look, he's going he's gonna to definitely get a job next year. Yo, who do you think? Who, who, who are we putting in that spot? To take to take that job. This is the weird question to me. They must have someone in mind. It's got to be a college coach, I would think, that they're going to try <laughs> something new and go over the top offense. How about like, Josh McDaniels? I think he. If it's not going to be some gunslinger, um, the guy Logan Riley, someone along those lines, I think McDaniels is probably the best bet. Who, what would you do there, Ira? I mean, I'm. I'm baffled as to what's going to happen with that coach. Well, they situation. made a comment. They go, well, we're not really consulting Aaron on the hire. I think you have to. I think oh, if you make this to, work, yeah. you're going to have Come Aaron Rodgers going to have to pick the coach. Yeah. And, and I think if that's what you're going to go to, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers has four or five years left, you got to think the coach is going to have four or five years. And, and it's got to be someone you can't have a year where it's just going to be like it was. It's going to, you're either going to sink or swim with, with Aaron Rodgers. You can't have John Gruden come in and dismantle your squad. Yeah, you're, <laughs> right. It, it's not going to happen. And there's nobody out there that they can't bring in, like the quote, Phil Jackson, you know, who has mm-hmm. his respect. There's nobody out there. There, Bill Cowher going to come out. Yeah, of that's going to come out of retirement. Yeah. That Aaron Rodgers is going to say, "Okay, yeah, I'll respect you enough." It it has to be someone that Aaron Rodgers wants. It's going to be yeah. I, that's a great question because I, I have no idea where, where they're going to go from here. And this is obviously all to appease uh, your boy Aaron Rodgers. I I couldn't text you fast enough. You actually got to me first when Rodgers failed on that, that last drive. Um, playoff picture, Ira. How do you see this shaking out? Um, I like I like I think that the Pats and the Chiefs. I mean, the the thing with the Chiefs with and, and we should quickly touch on the fact that uh, Hunt is, is is out, you know, in terms of, of they're, they're losing their running back uh, suspended. We can talk about that next week. But the fact is, I think the Chiefs don't look that good. And I think the Patriots and the Steelers don't look that good. I think the Patriots are actually going to take the number one seed. And I think the Chiefs are going to have, like, probably the number two seed because the Patriots have Miami, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and the Jets remaining. And uh, they should win Miami, Buffalo, and the Jets. The Chiefs have Baltimore, the Chargers, at Seattle, and, o- and Oakland. And uh, the Chargers actually have Cincy, KC, Baltimore, and Denver. Um, the Chargers might get in as, as the division winner. Yeah, but they're creeping th- up. But, but there's, and then for the Steeler division, there's like everyone else is 6-6. Six and six. I mean, the Broncos, the Dolphins, Colts, and Titans are all 6-6, six and six, mm. all with a chance to get in. It, it's a hodgepodge uh, in, in the AFC. We'll see how that shakes out. Um, why don't you touch on the Wilder Fury fight? I know this was uh, pretty much what everyone was doing on Saturday night. Um, and Ira, you're as big of, of a, you know, uh, boxing and MMA fan that there is so well, I'm sure this is what you were doing on Saturday well I was watching because I think it was like it was after the, all the games were over I, the wild, I was excited about this fight I was all pumped and ready and it was like sort of that little dessert like an appetite like at the end of the night I think the $75 they charge is absolutely ridiculous that's for a fight re- like this I think they should it was just should have been 25 or $40 more people would have seen it and it was a great fight I mean Fury is 27-0 and Wilder was 40-0 and with 39 knockouts one is 7 feet tall the other is 6-7 it was only the second the two biggest people people in the ring ever to fight against each other and uh, it was a great fight they actually fought for for 12 rounds and in the uh, in the in the 10th round in the ninth round Fury got knocked down he came back and was a tremendous round it was actually one of those great great rounds mm. and I thought Fury actually is the weaker puncher being seven feet tall and uh, but he he was he you know he he won he beat Klitschko was the champion and then had for two years had drug and alcohol issues and other problems and he didn't fight for two years and they stripped all his titles away he came back and then 
you know, he, he, got, he gets off the 10th round, wins the 11th round, and the 12th round, he's dominating the 12th round, but again, gets knocked down, almost knocked out cold, lying on the ground, and then jumps back up after, on the, on the, like, out of Rocky, and then they yeah. finish that round, and I thought he won the fight. I think the, I think Wilder's only two rounds. A lot of people thought he won that fight. I thought Wilder run the two knockouts where he won where there's been 10-8 rounds, but they ended up ruling it one to, to, to Wilder, one to Fury, and the other a draw, and uh, there'll be a rematch, and it'll be tremendous, but this is a fight, like, this was a really, really exciting one. When you watch, what I like to fight is that I've seen so many in Bayweather fights, and you see the smaller divisions. When there you is. see two six, seven, and seven foot guys it's fighting, it's a different experience. It's totally different, and it's fun to watch. And it's like, wow, this is tremendous. And it was really a great boxing match. I think every, I think the commentary of the fight's been everyone around's been saying, what a great fight. We want to see it again. And uh, the other big boxer heavyweight is Anthony Joshua, who's the other champion, mm-hmm. and yeah. probably will fight both of these guys. Um, before we wrap it up, guys, baseball had a tr- had a big trade uh, the past few days. Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz are moving to the Mets in exchange for Jay Bruce, um, Justin Dunn, and Jared Kelenic. You, you guys like there's a lot of backlash on social media, and I follow all the you know being from New York, I follow WFAN and some of these big radio stations up there. A lot of Mets fans are really mad with this trade. Yeah. I think they made out like bandits. Yeah, bandits. It's not about Robinson Cano. No. Edwin Diaz was the best closer in baseball last year. The, uh, the Mariners were 66-0 and 0 when he entered a game yeah. last year. This is a guy you want on your team. Ira, what do you think about this trade? It's not only – they're not paying him anything. Yeah. He's under control. Right. Yeah. He's, he, he does, he's making like a half a million dollars one year, 700000 He He's not even eligible for two more years for arbitration. So when you look at the contracts with Cano, it's five years they picked you're, in. It's five years, a $100 million contract. But you're getting a closer, and you're seeing what the closers are asking for. The closers are yeah. asking for $15 Starter million dollars a year. Yeah. So you're getting – to me, you're getting – and Robinson Cano still is a 300 hitter. He's their best offensive player now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I like – I agree with you i think the mets are the mets were the weird thing about this trade is van wegerman who's the new general manager was cano's agent yeah. so he brings him back and that was always going to be a weird thing but i agree with you I, my friends who are mets fans are upset about this doesn't trade. make sense and i classic just i swear i guess they don't stay up late and watch diaz in seattle yeah, exactly. they don't see when he goes in the game and he's a great closer i mean he didn't as you said they he only blew four saves all year he had 57 which is second most titles and the four he blew they ended up winning those games yeah he's tremendous he's young <laughs> And he's getting better and better. Cheery's improving. Uh, and they get Cano, who is still, I mean, it's still five years, $100 million. And people say, oh, it's $20 million a year. The Mets can afford it. Yeah, they can afford it. I, I don't know. And to me, it's just it, the way it was posed. It's Mets trade for Robinson Cano when it should have led with they trade for Diaz, you know, because that, that's what Good it was. It was the, the, everybody was trying to go after Diaz. I mean, there was rumors the Yankees were looking at him, but they were throwing in Cano with him. So the talks were for Diaz, but you have to take Cano's contract as well. Trade. Yeah. So, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny how all the talk, you know, and especially when I was talking to my Mets fan friends, oh, Cano and, and the money, it's like you traded for Diaz and you had to take Cano. As as part of it, you didn't give up much either. That's what I mean. You didn't give up any. Jay Bruce, I mean, it's well, probably gave a couple of prospects, but I think Mets fans, but, uh, you, you don't need any more prospects for Mets. Have you, you seen how the Mets draft? draft? Lestings Millage was going to be the next few. You know, Greg Jeffrey, they, they constantly have this super prospect coming up. Yeah, Even exactly. Michael Conforto is kind of a bum yeah. compared to the way that they hyped him up. I, exactly. Great trade for the Mets. They should really be happy. I remember you headed this week. Um, I'll be at West, so I'm going to see Steelers Raiders. So my first time at Oakland, so I'm excited cool. about that. One of the black hole, and this could be a disaster. I mean, if the Steelers <laughs> lose this game, then it's then they play. If you look at the Steelers schedule now, get used to the Steelers on TV because they have the Raiders. But then they're going to be prime time with the page. They're going to be back against the Patriots, and then on the road against the Saints. So they're going to be. I mean, as so much as everybody's been watching Steelers, you're going to be every. It'll be four o'clock. Each game will be at four o'clock. This Patriots game and the and the Saints game will be both four o'clock. Games. I want to thank Jeff Snook so much for. 
popping by tonight. We are out of time. We're over like we always are. On behalf of Iron Sean and Mike, let's talk next Monday night, Iron Sports.